Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidinol, founder of Leading Australian Podcast Agency and 2021 Australian Podcast Awards finalists, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion, and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Do you work on building your network peers, or are you more of a solo flyer? While independence and self-sufficiency are important traits for us to have as entrepreneurs, oftentimes it's our network that can truly help us to level up. In today's episode, I sit down with Stephanie Michelson, who shares the cold hard truth that if you never ask, you'll never know. If you never share your company's values, vision with people, how will they know what you're about, that you exist? As the CEO and co-founder of biotechnology company Gelatech, Stephanie reminds us that you have to hear eight or nine no's to get that one crucial yes. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials, or if you're new here, firstly, welcome. And please do take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and help us on our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome Steph. Steph, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the incredible work that you're doing in the biotech space, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Of course, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So, you know, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Yeah, so my name is Stephanie. I'm originally from Denmark. I grew up in Sweden. Then I moved to California to the Bay Area. And then I moved back to Denmark to do my undergrad and graduate degree in biotechnology. So I'm a scientist. And then I ended up graduating and ended up starting up my own company, which is a biotech startup. And I'm basically on a mission to try and make the world a better place using biotechnology and by building a really, really awesome company, in my opinion, <laughs> and have been doing so for about two years now. Ah, oh, it's so cool, Steph. It's so awesome. And when I was looking into you, I was like, oh, wow, she's studying in Copenhagen. And so it makes sense that you're from Denmark. And so, you know, before we dive into your work, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, what was it like growing up in Denmark? And how did that shape you? And I guess the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? So I was about five or six when my family moved from Denmark to Sweden. So I think I was always sort of like a little bit of an outsider because being Danish, even though it was in Sweden, it always was like a reason that I was a little bit different than the other kids or whatever. Um, but I had a great childhood. I loved playing soccer, played tons of soccer. That was a big part of my life growing up. And then I think we moved to the U.S. when I was 17 or so. You're getting more social and partying and whatever else. So like... That definitely sucked to leave all my friends in Sweden and then move across the globe. Um, but at the same time, I think that like it really brought the family really close together. And at least we have each other. I have two siblings. So like my sister is like my best friend and so is my brother. So it's like made us a lot closer. And then my dad, the reason we moved to the U.S. and moved around was he was an entrepreneur as well. So I think that always like inspired me and like, you know, they're not fearing anything. They're just like, all right, we want to do this. Let's do it. They're not afraid to like pack up and leave and go show us the world and go see the world and chase their dreams. So I think that kind of like gave me the same like hunger to like want more, I guess. And at the same time, I think having that respect of like different cultures, it's actually really interesting to be like different and not fit in. That's usually a pretty good thing. So I think like moving around a lot has brought me very close to my family and like inspired me to chase entrepreneurship. And also giving me a great respect of like, I guess, difference and like individuality and having a bigger view on like how the world works. Getting out of like living in a bubble, I think is pretty nice. <laughs> oh my gosh, absolutely. And I resonate with that so, so much. And I think so many of our peers would too. But I mean, moving around at such a young age, you know, even from, I think you said seven, you know, just to the neighboring country, but still almost being that outsider and you were different, you know, what? challenges did that bring also at that crucial age of 17 again to the US you know did you ever struggle with all those moves and I guess how did you navigate through it at the time I think when I was I mean very young when we first moved I don't think I understood right like what it meant to move but I remember like even like growing up in Sweden it was also like a smaller town I guess so like everyone knew that you were Danish not Swedish and I remember I had some teacher actually in the sciences that was really against me and I remember he would kind of blame the fact that I was Danish and so it actually made me hate all the sciences I told myself I would never study anything with science like with chemistry biology physics and then I ended up doing exactly that, which is so funny. But I think having my family really helped getting over that because certainly I was a little bit bullied, like being an outsider. But I think, I mean, it sounds cheesy, right? But like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I think just like you get a respect from like what it's like to be on like the outside, which means that when you then are whatever on the inside, you're creating something. I think it's super important to make sure that everyone feels seen, heard and feels welcome. So I think that's definitely something I brought with me as well with now, you know, founding a company, whatever, like I want to make sure that the environment we create is always like diverse and is always like welcoming and that it doesn't take into consideration what you identify as or where you're from, but actually just like what you're looking to do and what kind of person you are. Definitely moving to the U.S. at that age from 
<laughs> Europe was a big, big change. I remember thinking like all I'd seen before, like, you know, all these high school movies and like sports jocks and cheerleaders. That was not the experience I got when I moved. So that was very different. I remember our first math homework we got, I think it was way too difficult. And like me and my brother came home with a math homework to our dad because he's like really good at all these kind of more science and technical things and math and so on. So, and he was like, no, there's no way it's that hard and you should know all this. It's just, it must be a test because it's just the beginning of the school year. And we're like, okay. And we were like, we're hours to complete it. And the next day there was the same amount of homework. It just kept coming. We were like, I was like, dad, I don't think this is a joke. I think it's actually really, really difficult. So certainly a lot of culture shock and differences, but at the same time, I don't know, the U.S. is a great place for entrepreneurship and to really motivate kids and young people to like go for it and try and build stuff. Agreed, agreed. For our peers out there listening who are going through that transition, you know, maybe it is like they're feeling like a complete outsider. Maybe they've come from corporate, they're trying to start a side hustle or a business and they just don't feel like they fit in at all. I know I felt like that to begin with. I was like, what am I doing? I felt like that so many times in my life, like honestly. But for our peers out there listening who are going through that right now, it may be similar to what you went through. Maybe it's culture shock. Maybe it's a change in career path. You know, what advice would you give to us around navigating through it and almost becoming okay with the change? I think the only thing constant in this universe is change both on like the big environment in terms of like the world is changing right even like your cells your dna everything is constantly changing so i think that you have to evolve with it and accept it i think if you try to fight it you're going to be very unhappy i think you have to go with it i think as well that it's insanely important to have your heart and your mind and your body in the same place because like if your mind is constantly thinking about the past or the word about the future or if your heart is longing for someone or something that's in the past or in the future but your physical body is here. You're just going to like strain yourself, I think. So like, I think it's really important to be where you are in the now. And then at the same time, lean on friends and family that you do have. And it'll be fine. And I think as well, sometimes people struggle with like imposter syndrome where they're trying to do something and they think that they're not deserving or not good enough for the look around. And they're suddenly surrounded by all these impressive individuals. I think it's like, you just got to shut that thought off and just like, just be and just do and then just keep going like one step at a time and then suddenly you'll have walked you know so far and grown so much I think that's probably like the best thing but definitely most important I think is to keep all the three parts in one place body soul and heart was there ever a time for you where those three were not in the same place you know maybe it was a bit further down the track when you were studying or you'd started your business you know when was a time that you can remember that you just really felt like you were either living in the past or the future and you couldn't navigate your way to live in the present I mean I think it happens many times I think that usually when you move into a new situation like moving or it's a relationship or it's you know workplace Usually the first period is like this honeymoon phase, right? Where like everything is great and it's new and whatever. And then a few months down the line, like I think when moving, usually it's maybe around like the six month spot or like a relationship. That's when you're seeing more of like the negative and you live in what we call in Danish, then go bad day or like the gray every day where suddenly the sun isn't shining, the weather's like cloudy, mushy, you're kind of like, it's not really all that great. And you're like alone or something, you feel alone. And I've experienced this moving and you realize I'm really far from family and I don't have a whole lot of friends yet or like I'm trying to figure this out, but it's so new to me and I don't know how to do it. Just understanding and not giving up and being like, okay, this is just temporary. Like it'll change. Like this is normal to feel this way and that everything can't be amazing and new and exciting all the time. Like it really can't. And that if you just give it 
you know, a go and, and give it like a few more months or whatever, then it can really turn around and it'd be even more beautiful. Of course, there's scenarios where you should just listen and it's not the right fit. But I think to be aware that like there will come those gray everyday moments where like it just sucks. And then, you know, obviously if they keep happening too much, then maybe it just sucks and you do something else. But most of the time it's like, just keep going and it'll be so much better. Like it's so normal to have that. I just think it's so, so true. I'd love to get your thoughts on those first six months of starting your company. I mean, you know, I think it was back in 2020. I think you were in your final year of your master's and you started your business, Gelatech. You know, talk to us a little bit about where the idea came from and, you know, what those first six months were like. Prior to that, I'd had this like internship in a another biotech startup company. And I had basically pitched kind of an approach to an idea to the founder. So he was also an entrepreneur and like an investor and has helped many startups get off the ground. And so I pitched the idea to him and then, you know, he liked it. But I guess at the time I was still, you know, studying. And then about a year later, actually, he reached out and was like, hey, Stephanie, that idea of yours, do you still want to build it? And I just remember, I said, fuck yeah. It was perfect timing because I was just about to wrap up my studies. He said, okay, great, because I have an investor that might want to put some money in. So I immediately started working. You know, I made a pitch deck and I was so freaking nervous, absolutely terrified, terrified. I've never done this before. I'd never talked to an investor in my life and like, you know, never thought that this would happen kind of like that. I always wondered like, how do people actually start companies? Like, how do you take an idea and turn it into some sort of physical thing. <laughs> but I guess this was one of the ways, right? And so I was like, all right, well, let's go. And then pitched and I got my first investment. And then after that, it was like, okay, we're off to the races. That's kind of how it started the first six months. I mean, it's such a learning curve. Like I remember thinking that, like, how do you, you know, incorporate a company? How do you do taxes? How do you do this and that? And I learned that like, those are the easy things. You can Google your way to that. What you can't Google your way to is like when to hire, when to fire, how to manage people, what to do in these situations, those situations, who you should work with, who you shouldn't work with, all these things that you just have to kind of learn by doing. And that sometimes like as a founder and CEO, like you don't know all the right answers. I mean, ups and downs for sure. Best things like when you had an investor say, yes, that was like, yes, amazing. So high, you know, like lots of no's as well. And lots of people that don't believe in what you do. So it's like such a roller coaster, but definitely recommend it. So if anyone is curious about starting something, definitely go for it. It's like the best learning experience. And also very unique, I guess, journey for every founder. Lots of similarities, but also very individual journeys that we go on. I couldn't agree more. I want to talk a little bit about that investor right up front and also around this idea of putting yourself out there and almost just consistently doing that to the point where it matches up. So the way you put it very humbly, you know, all of a sudden then this investor came along and I was like, oh, that's amazing. And, you know, but I mean, if you hadn't have pitched this idea to, you know, the entrepreneur a year before, that probably never would have come up. So, and you had to wait a year really to even see if you could do your business. So, you know, what What would be your advice on that for our peers out there listening who perhaps they're thinking, oh, she's just so lucky. Like, if only investor came to me. Like, you know, it, what would be your advice on getting yourself prepared so that when things happen in your favor, you can really make the most of them? So I think you're right. I definitely feel like I do put myself out there a lot and I think it goes across the board. I always kind of feel like 
what do I really have to lose? You know, there's many parallels. Like if you see a, a cute person, you know, out at a bar or whatever, and you're just like, oh, you know, she or he or they are so pretty. I want to go talk to them. But what if, what if they turn me down? It's like, yeah, then you're right where you are started right now. Like just go shoot your shot, right? Like what's the worst that can happen? Same thing with pitching an idea and like same thing with investors. You got to shoot your shot. It's a numbers game at some point. Of course, you got to like take in the feedback at the same time. Like you're going to get eight no's or nine no's. So you might as well just get through the nine no's so you can get to the one yes because that's what you really need, right? So I definitely think shoot your shot and like nurture your network. Definitely, because I think that's another great way that amazing things happen. You know, the reason I found this entrepreneur was via a connection I made many years before, briefly at a university where he gave a talk. And then I just reached out on LinkedIn. I didn't hesitate. I was like, hey, I'm in the Bay. I'm looking for an internship. Do you know anyone? And then suddenly got connected to someone and got connected to someone else. And it's just like, you know, it's ridiculous how these things happen. But I definitely think you're right. Like the one trend I see going into all of this is that I put myself out there and I wasn't afraid of like not succeeding or failing or embarrassing myself or not be, you know, qualify. It's a, it is a lot of like things falling into place, but it's also like the one thread like I see is that I did put myself out there. So I would definitely encourage people that, you know, are listening and are considering doing something, just go for it and then find out. Just ask, right? And usually people want to help other people. So if you don't ask and you don't tell people what you want, then how are they supposed to know? But Steph, it can be so hard to ask, you know, it can be so hard to put ourselves out there, to make a fool of ourselves. I remember in the early days for me, I just was constantly doing that and I felt like an idiot. I felt like, oh my gosh, like everyone thinks I'm crazy. Like, what am I even doing? You know, how do we overcome those feelings of imposter syndrome, inadequacy, and almost just the fear to put ourselves out there? I think that's actually what holds us back. I think you're right. I remember like some years ago, I came across this, like, I think it was a graduation speech by Jim Carrey. I don't remember which university it is, but it's on YouTube. And he talks about how his father also wanted to be a comedian, an actor or something, but he was too afraid to go for it. He was like, no, I'm going to choose a safe job and I'm going to be an accountant. And ended up doing that for many, many years, only to be fired, I think, or let go like a few years before, you know, retirement. And so I think safety is such an illusion. Again, like the only thing that's constant is change, right? It's like this illusion of like safety and that things will remain the same. It's not true. And at the same time, what he said in the speech, I think is like, well, if I'm going to fail at something, I would much rather fail doing something I love and that I like doing than doing something I don't even want to do or doing something so-called safe, right? So I think you might look like a fool or you might embarrass yourself. You might be wrong, but at least you're trying, which is way more than many people do. And at the same time, so what? Even if you do look like a fool, like at least you're doing something that you really like and you're passionate about. And that's way better to fail at something you really want to do than, you know, succeed or kill at something that you don't like or that you think is safe. So I, and even sometimes just playing out the worst case scenario, like, yeah, you look like a fool. Okay. The people you're there, you're probably never going to see again. Even if you do, who cares? Just own it up and be like, yeah, I did. That's it. Okay. Who can you blame? Right? Like, I'm just trying here. <laughs> so... I want to circle back to, you mentioned, you know, passion and kind of, you know, at least do something, you're, even if you fail doing something you care about, at least you care about it. You know, and you mentioned earlier that 
as a child, you were kind of because of that teacher, that science teacher, this idea of doing science was like not on your radar. You weren't going to do it. And here we are like, you know, 10 years later or 15 years later or whatever it is. And you did it at university and everything. It's your business. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that transition was like for you and how you came back to science despite what you went through as a child? Yeah. So even in I guess high school and whatever, I I hadn't really found like my passion. And I always envied people that were like, oh my God, I want to do this. I love this. Like, this is my life dream. And I was just like, wow, it must be nice to kind of know what you want because I felt like I didn't know what I wanted. And so I was like, I was actually going to study economics in university. And I was like, okay, that ties into everything, I guess. So like, it's fine. Again, like, that's a safe choice. And then at the community college. So that's like, I guess like a two-year college. You can go, you know, first those two years and you transfer into like a four-year college in the U.S., like UCLA or whatever, or UC Berkeley, these kind of things. So I was going to transfer into UC Santa Barbara with economics. And right before I did that, I had this like one class in anthropology. It was part of like my general course work, I guess. And then in that class, we were talking, I think a week or two about like genetics and DNA And that was the moment I was like, holy shit, this stuff is so cool. And I was like, oh my God, like the information you have access to and like, you know, genetic diseases and just like DNA and like what makes you you. I was just like, I just fell in love with it. And then I went home and studied more and I was like, wow, I'm after school going home to read more about this. Then probably this is an indication that it's like, a passion of mine. <laughs> and then I was like, I just looked and like, can you study it? And then I found like, oh, biotechnology and like microbiology and these things, like those are ways that you can actually use and study this and use it as like a technology, right? Like DNA, we can change it, we can improve it, we can make it better and help people and help the planet. I was like, I'm so old. And so I went back to the university and I was like, can I switch majors? And they were like, well, have you had any physics? Like, nope. Have you had chemistry? No. Nope. Uh, biology? No. Nope. They were like, yeah, so that's a whole new degree, Stephanie. So we're going to need you to either go with your economics choice or go back and then reapply when you have it. And I was like, my God. And this was like beautiful school on the beach. But I was like, no, I'm lucky enough that I had this aha moment that, you know, not everyone gets to have this. So I was like, I'm going to go back and again, try it and figure out if I like this and then take it from there. So I did. So I said, no, thank you to the school, move my stuff back out. And then started taking all these really intense courses that I didn't get all A's in or anything like this. So it was a struggle, but I'm definitely very, very happy that I did it. So that was kind of my turning point of finding out like that actually science was really awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, Steph. Oh my goodness. We could talk for days and days. I'm absolutely loving this, but I am mindful of your time. And so I've got a couple of final questions for you. And the first one is, what has been your greatest failure and win to date? I think in general, like it's hard to view things as failures because I really think that like, again, like if you put yourself out there, you give it a go and like, it's not it. Just like if you're trying to solve some kind of experiment or math equation, like if you fail, then really you found a way it doesn't work, right? So it's like, you can look at it positively, like, okay, this isn't the answer. So, but I think the failure did was that I think in a relationship, I let my personal self go a little bit too much. I think that sometimes we lose track of like ourselves. And I think that's a mistake that you should never do. You have to listen to your gut and your instinct and like, remember like, you know, who you are, what you're trying to do, your worth and what you want in life. And sometimes we just get so busy that we kind of let go or we forget or we get exhausted or whatever. So I think that's a little like, I'll say a learning for me, not a failure, but a learning where I failed myself, I'll put it. So that's something I think 
success wise I don't know I think sometimes like obviously building a company was something that I always wanted to do so I'm very happy that I did that and then ever since I was very young and I heard of like Forbes turning to 30 I was like I want to get on that list and then I did and then I'm always like well what's next right so I think it's sometimes important to stop and like celebrate that and be happy about it but I think more so I feel very I guess content with who I am and like with what I'm doing and I think this feeling of like contentness is really really important being content is insanely I guess that's a success right so I think feeling happy in the situation I'm in and like the, the company and the living and stuff like that I've built for myself that I think is a success to me absolutely I could not agree more Look, Steph, over the last two years since starting your company, you've really gone from strength to strength. You've received a lot of recognition for your work already. And as you mentioned, you were recently featured on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. Yay. What are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? Just do it. Like, just go for it. Like, Fuck around and find out. I think what's going to kill you the most is like, what if, what if, shoulda, coulda, woulda. So just find out instead, like go for it and then find out. I think that's a key advice. I think number two is that there's no right time. Like, I think we make so many excuses. I'm too young. I'm too old. I have all these other things or, well, I'm just waiting for, you know, it's like breaking up with someone or whatever. There's no right time. You just got to do it. There's no right time to start a company. Just got to do it. I think as well, another thing is that sometimes we just talk too much about the things that we want to do and all this time we spent talking, we could have been doing. So I sometimes feel like there's two kinds of people in the world. There's like talkers and doers. And I ask sometimes like, well, which one do you want to be? Right. When someone comes to me and they have an amazing idea or they want to do this, I'm like, that's really cool. Well, are you going to be a doer or are you going to stay a talker? But obviously, it's sometimes not as easy as that. But I think those are some advice. And then really, really do nurture your network and reach out to it. Even before you have an idea, before you're doing whatever, like ask people, talk to them. And you'll find that it'll give back so, so, so much and continue to do that. And if you do happen to build something cool or someone helps you, then please make sure that it's your job to kind of keep the door open. Like someone opened the door for you. Now it is your job to keep that door open for the next generation to stay close to earth and not get all full of yourself and just forget about others. You still have to stay mindful of that. Oh, Steph, it's been so, so great to have you on the show. Before I ask you the final question, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you, you know, for showing us that if we just fuck around and keep going, figure it out, we can get there. We actually can turn our ideas and our dreams and our passions into our business and our reality. For that, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much. I hope that you do do it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Amazing. The final question is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? That you get to do something that you love and that you're passionate about and you get to actually hopefully like make a living out of it, right? Like Steve Jobs said this, I think like if you wake up every Monday and you're like, oh, I hate Mondays and I don't want to do what I'm about to do and it's the same way too many Mondays in a row, then you don't hate Mondays, you hate your job, right? Like, so I think... If you go for something that you really, really like, then hopefully Mondays won't feel like Mondays. They'll feel like, you know, a new start to the week. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are Mondays that I hate Mondays, but in general, right? Like if you go for your passion, you can make a living off it. Then, I mean, that's just the biggest luxury in the world and combining your passion with making a living and hopefully also making some positive impact. So well said. Amazing, Steph. Well, thank you so much. It has been absolutely awesome. Where can we learn more about you and Gelatech? 
you can find me, you know, on LinkedIn, Stephanie Mickelson, or I say Michelson, but it's easier to say Mickelson for spelling purposes, but you're welcome to reach out to me if I can help in any way. My company, Jellatech, you can go to our website. We're also on Instagram and LinkedIn. Don't hesitate to reach out again, like whatever it may be. If you're, you know, trying to build something yourself, you're an investor, you're a scientist, whatever, like we're always happy to chat. So go to our website or any of the social media outlets and you'll find us. Amazing. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thanks so much again, Steph. It's been so cool. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. Peers.